Welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm a cool mom. <laughs> Let me feel your boob. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yeah. And our show is located on the ancestral lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase, Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumseh-Tay territory within the unceded traditional lands of Sequoia-Ulu. And today's text, Mean Girls, is set in Evanston, Illinois, the traditional home of the Peoria, Potawatomi, Miami, Ho-Chunk, and Kickapoo peoples. Although, Joe, it's actually filmed, like, where you are, I'm pretty sure. Yes, it is. Yeah. This is a very Toronto set film. But of oh, course, yeah. Brenna, you've only talked about the movie. And we're yes. surprisingly enough doing a nonfiction, like non-autobiographical book. Yeah, so folks may not know that Mean Girls is actually based on a parenting book mm-hmm. called Queen Bees and Wannabes by Rosalind Wiseman. It was published in 2002. The subtitle is Helping Your Daughter Survive Cliques, Gossip, Boys, and the New Realities of Girl World. And um, it's Which is quite why it's important that it's been updated a uh, half dozen times. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. And I read the most recent edition, the third edition, and I think, Joe, you've got the second edition. I do. Yeah. So all of my technology bits were about uh, Snapchat. <laughs> Oh, interesting. Yeah, we do have some Snapchat in this version. We also have a lot on cyberbullying. Oh, okay. I think mm-hmm. the biggest difference between our two editions, though, is that Wiseman tries to talk a little bit about beyond the gender binary in this volume. Oh, my gosh. It falls pretty flat. But yeah, I guess, should we just get into it? Should we just <laughs> talk about what this it. book's about? Okay. Yeah. Parenting Guide 101. So let me caveat this by saying I don't like parenting books, Joe. (laughs) Really, really don't. I think Mm -hmm. in general, I mean, I'm sure there are exceptions, but a lot of parenting books really want the world to fit into very nice categories. And this book is no different. So (laughs) this book has a lot of scripts and boxes. And it's like, if you should fall outside of these, oh boy, Rosalind doesn't have much to work with. (laughs) No, no. And if you should fall outside of these, like you're a bad parent and or an unredeemable child. Like I really felt like this book draws some pretty firm lines around things that I think are a lot more gray anyway. Yeah. Also, if you are a racialized person or if you are queer, this book is not for you. Even just if you're like a completely heteronormative white kid, but your friend group is gender mixed, there is Mm -hmm. no space for you in this book. Like, no, you know, we've talked on the show about my kiddo, who is a boy who only plays with girls, like there's no space mm. for the way he engages in the world in Rosalind Wiseman's conception of childhood. And I I find that so interesting because if there's one thing I actually find heartening about hanging out with little kids these mm-hmm. days, it's that their perceptions of gender are so much more open and fluid yes. than mm-hmm. ours were. And so I wonder if this book is just going to become rapidly less relevant as Mm -hmm. time progresses. Yes, it felt very antiquated in a way. And you, I think, really nailed it when you said parenting guides have a tendency to try to do like a one shoe fits all sizes Mm -hmm. kind of deal. So I think by its very nature, we were already going to have some challenges with it. But If nothing else, this felt like a, oh, here's a little bit of a relic of the past. Like, I don't even know if you could update this book to make it relevant for contemporary teens, because you're right, it does feel like we've just moved so far beyond this. And I just, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's a segment of the population this fits, and I could probably map some of these behaviors onto the kids I went to high school with. But like, Mm -hmm. my high school friend group was four people. It was two girls and two boys. Readers, I married one of the boys. Um, (laughs) And we had peripheral friends, but this idea of being sort of in this clique, it doesn't resonate with me. And one of the problems is that Rosalind Wiseman's position is, if your kid says they're not in a clique, they're lying. Right. Like, <laughs> oh, the takeaway from me for this book, and folks will will actually like kind of lay out a little bit more about the book in general. But yeah. my big takeaway from this was very much your daughter is lying to you. Yeah. And you are responsible for both her as well as all of her friends and any yep. of her future boyfriends. Yep. Yep. That's basically, I mean, 
it's also a book that is exclusively for mothers. Like, she keeps throwing in these sideline, mm. like, or dad, or dad. Mm-hmm. Like, once every 25 pages, she remembers dads exist. But, like, <laughs> all of the labor here falls on the mother. Yep. And it's all rooted in this idea of reframing your understanding of your daughter's social world through your experience of girlhood. And I just, yes. like... I don't know, man. Okay, so the pre- <laughs> to rewind a little bit, the premise here is that all girls fall into one of a series of categories. Obviously, yes. queen bees and wannabes from the title. That's like the highest status and the lowest status rules you can have. Mm-hmm. But there's also characters in your child's life like um, the banker who's the, the person who like – Oh, my God. You have the list. Give us the list, Joe. Give us the list. Okay, so there's also the sidekick, which is basically the runner-up to the queen bee will do everything that she can to please her because she loves bathing in her light. We've got the banker, who is the person who banks information and then distributes it when it can benefit them or the clique. So basically, they're an agent of chaos. (laughs) (laughs) The messenger is very similar to the banker in that they're gathering up secrets, but they do it under the auspices of trying to resolve conflict so that they can feel good about being the mediator and then we have the pleaser or wannabe who is kind of a hangers-on we've got the torn bystander i gather you can be a torn bystander but also one of the other positions where you You feel bad no you can't yes no you can i'm agreeing with you you can yeah okay 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 and then there's the target who is often the person that is the subject of all this rumor or malicious gossip and then the champion is what every mother and maybe father every 25 pages, should aspire (laughs) to turn their daughter into, which is a model of sheer perfection, and she does everything right. But by the way, if you tell Rosalind that your daughter is a champion, she doesn't believe you because you're a liar. Yes, yes, because you don't actually know your daughter, and your daughter is lying to you. (laughs) Yes, 100%. 100%. I don't want to jump ahead to the film, but there's a moment, like there's a coach character who teaches Fazed, and he just says... Anything that you do, you will like basically get an STI and die. And honestly, it felt like that was the Rosalind character in the film, where it was just like, whatever your daughter is doing, she's lying. She's partying, she's doing drugs, and she's having sex, and she's lying to you about it. It's very histrionic. It's so, it is so histrionic. And like, I really struggle with these kind of firm categorizations for human beings, like, Mm -hmm. anyway. But I also like, There's only one way you can be a girl that Wiseman has any respect for, right? The champion role. Mm -hmm. And I was really struck by, like, she doesn't like girlhood. Like, conceptually, girlhood is really painted in extremely negative terms. And I was struck by – now, I didn't read it, Joe. But I was Mm -hmm. struck by the comparator book that she's written for boys. The title Mm -hmm. of which is Masterminds and Wingmen. (laughs) Consider that parallel language, okay, right? Nobody wants to be a queen bee or a wannabe, right? Those are both like loaded negative terms. Mm -hmm. Mastermind and wingman? Yeah. Those both kind of rock. Those are both kind of great roles. (laughs) And I'm just so fascinated by the ways in which I think in a lot of ways like normal girlhood sort of sorting out of roles and understanding sexuality and all those kinds of things really get pathologized by this book Mm -hmm. in a way that I found like deeply disturbing. And as I said to Joe, uh, like when we were texting beforehand, like Joe is teasing me that this is my after because there are large sections of this book that I just skimmed. Like Mm -hmm. I got really tired of the scripts after a certain point. I basically skipped every script because – you know, she tells you at the beginning of the book, like, don't actually use my scripts word for word, but 50% right. of this book is going to be scripts. Like, Yeah. And the scripts are honestly so, so pedantic. Oh, like, my God. If I was reading them, and I recognize, you know, you and I are both mature adults at this point. You have a wow. child. I just, I could not fathom the idea of even using a variation of one of these scripts because they they're pedantic but they're also incredibly prescriptive but also the language doesn't feel human at they're all. so cringe they're so cringe joe like <laughs> i'm 40 years old and i mm-hmm. wanted to crawl under a table reading the scripts like they Just made the me feel so uncomfortable so residually embarrassed for anybody involved in that 
discourse. But I can't mm-hmm. imagine having that with an actual human child. Like, I no. just... And I love it, too, because at the end of most of them, she'll be like, and then your daughter will roll her eyes. And I was like, well, yeah. Did you read the script? <laughs> I'm rolling my eyes, Rosalind. <laughs> I just, I can't get over how this woman got, like, hella, hella famous mm-hmm. writing about girlhood and I really can't shake the sense that she doesn't find anything redeeming about girlhood. And that is such a bummer to me, man, because, <laughs> you know, all she seems to see in the interactions between young women is like manipulation and game playing. And I'm not saying that didn't happen. You know, like I was definitely the target of a prank where the I had a crush on this boy I rode the bus with and a bunch of the popular girls in class wrote fake notes to me pretending mm, to be him. And yes, right. I totally fell for it because I was an idiot, obviously. Like, I'm not saying I don't know that girls can be cruel because I do. But like, sure. I also know what the teenage boys were getting up to with each other. That wasn't mm-hmm. any less cruel. Like, there's this sort of social script that women are these kind of manipulating, backbiting, game-playing B-words. <laughs> and I just feel like this book doesn't try to unpack that at all. It just leans into it so hard. And I don't know, it doesn't resonate with my experience of girlhood or even even the times that I was, you know, like victimized by Regina George or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this sense that these roles are so fixed for the young women who yes. Wiseman is writing about and that there's not really any path forward. And like, she keeps pointing out, like, there will still be queen bees in your workplace. It's like, wow, women are terrible forever. <laughs> like, sucks mm-hmm. to be you. <laughs> well, and part of this makes me wonder if it's just, it's hard to read this and not want something different, not necessarily from the strategies or, or even the marketing and the packaging. Like, because this seems very strictly determined by what the market wants from Mm -hmm. a parenting guide, right? So she's got surefire strategy. She's got this seal conversation thing that stands for stop and strategize, explain, affirm, and then lock in the behavior (laughs) or like lock in the relationship. (laughs) And, you know, that's where all the scripts come from. And I do think that there are good things nestled in mm-hmm. the corners and crevices of this book. But overall, you know, she's trying to hit this mass market yeah. that's going to appeal to the vast majority of folks. And because I think she, like, she she has experience doing this in classrooms. Like, I gathered she gets hired to go and work with grades or yes. schools for stretches at a time. So, you know, we read these one-off scripts and they seem ridiculous but i imagine that if she was in there working through people's behaviors for months at a time this would all flow much more naturally because she would have earned their trust in a different kind of way i do feel like and i don't know if you felt this way joe i'm curious but like Mm -hmm. there's something deeply american about the framing of the way like teenagehood works in this book i mean i'm i'm not pretending like canada is some majorly distinct society it's not a utopia (laughs) no it's not but i do wonder how this book reads to other like cultures frankly because Mm -hmm. you know it's very much framed around sort of like the cheerleader archetype as like the power player in the school and like I don't know, mm-hmm. like most Canadian high schools don't even have cheerleaders. So like even stuff like prom, right? Where yeah, you're just like, yeah. oh, like a lot of Canadian schools don't do a, a prom or a graduation and, and certainly not in the sense of spectacle if they do. Yeah. Even the way that partying was discussed. And I couldn't figure yeah. out if it's because <laughs> I led a very sheltered high school and junior high life. Like I I don't fit into these categorizations. In part because my parents could trust me because I was Mm -hmm. very rarely actually getting up to trouble. So, you know, I wonder if part of it was also that you and I just thought, oh, well, we don't fit into that. (laughs) Yeah, we we were the wannabes, but not the wannabes of the actual clique because I hated most of the people that she's talking about. Well, this is the thing. The whole notion is that girl society is structured around wanting to achieve queen Mm bee-ness. She never problematizes that or challenges that notion. It's just like taken as read Mm -hmm. and... Yeah, I was not a popular kid, but I also didn't hang out with people who were striving to be the popular kid, you know? And so right. I also didn't find that particularly resonant. And her rigidity around gender really bugged me because oh 
as I said off the top, there's no space in this narrative for mixed gender friend groups. Like, mm-hmm. none. No. It does not exist in Wiseman's world. And maybe that's true in the schools that she works in. But it's wasn't true in my schooling experience. And it's not true watching my kid grow up and like his friends and like my friend's kids. Like no one is in sort of single gender cliquey friend groups. And maybe I exclusively hang out with losers and the children of losers. I don't know. But like, (laughs) it does strike me as odd that there is nothing in this framework to account for like, what if your daughter's best friend is a boy? You know, like, Mm -hmm. what if your daughter is queer? How does that change the dynamic of the friend group? Like, there's no space for that. And in the third edition, she does some really shoehorny, awkward, like, here's the perspective of a trans kid. And it's like, you get two paragraphs from a trans kid's perspective. That's basically like, although I am trans, I reaffirm everything that Rosalind Wiseman says about gender. Sincerely, mm-hmm. token trans kid. <laughs> like, it's really cringy. Yeah. Joe, I didn't like this book. Can you tell? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> that does open up an interesting avenue, though, because I found as much as the quote seemed very selective. I was often very appreciative of the effort that went into finding a variety of different, mm-hmm. like girls of different ages, and sometimes boys, and occasionally parents. I would have liked them to, as you said, problematize or even offer a bit more context or something, like something that didn't seem to fit into the model that she was looking to advocate for. But mm-hmm. I did find that it helped to break up her very scripted approach to parenting. My favorite parts are the parts where actual teenagers are responding to what she's saying. Mm -hmm. I suspect there could have been the opportunity to include more kinds of friend groups in doing that. Like have a girl whose best friend is a boy, maybe (gasps) gasp, come and talk Mm -hmm. about that within the context of the the narrative. Like I, there's just no space for it. So it's obviously why she left it out. But, you know, and I do, I commend Wiseman on, you know, she talks about how she hires a team of teen editors who read through and respond to the book every time she revises it. And I think that's great. I think that's a great practice. More parenting books should involve the voices of kids. Mm -hmm. Usually they're just super didactic. She's trying not to be that way. Mm -hmm. And and I think there are things here that are worth saving. There are things here that are sort of redeemable. But I just think that at the core, the fundamental problem with the text is that it operates on a gendered assumption that I just don't buy. And if you can't get past that, you kind of can't roll with Mm -hmm. the rest of the argument because there is no space for other ways of thinking about gender, period. Yeah, it's just too narrowly focused in a lot of different ways. Like, I I kept getting my back up about the queer stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, there's... There's more than a few mentions in it. And and I did want to clarify, at least in my edition, there were a couple of passages about like girls who are friends with boys and how to negotiate that if one of them starts to take a romantic interest in it. But I Oh yeah. Sorry. So they do she does include it, but only within like a heteronormative like And that's the part that I found kind of galling. Yes! Like even the mentions of female queerness, it was often <laughs> it was often put in a oh well, your daughter might be called gay slurs or boys yeah. will be called gay slurs if they don't automatically want to sleep with your daughter and or like what if a girlfriend in the group like it develops romantic feelings for your daughter <gasps> mm-hmm. there's yeah. a lot of pa- there's a lot of like panic panic. tinged yes. yeah it totally is yeah and and of course that's often what it amounts to and then it stops and there really isn't mm-hmm. too much else going on there and i would say it's the same for any t- kind of treatment of of racialized figures so Agreed. you know because it's a a text from the us the emphasis is exclusively on black as though mm-hmm. there are no other marginalized figures that your daughter might interact with or b or b <laughs> mhm mhm and even then it's basically like stuff about hair, which I found <laughs> weirdly stereotypical and vaguely racist. Yeah, it's it's very much a book for middle class white women whose daughters aspire to be dance captains and cheerleaders. Like, there's mm-hmm. honestly not a lot of space. And I think that if that is the world that your daughter inhabits, like, I think if you are 
dealing with that sort of clique culture, I I suspect that the advice here is really good. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's a much more narrow experience of young womanhood. Particularly now. Particularly now, then Wiseman is willing to acknowledge. And I, I think that that is ultimately like a major failing in the text. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I wish I felt more like Wiseman respected or liked anything about girlhood. And I wish I felt like she could make space for different expressions. Mm-hmm. That's not what the book is for or about, but it is kind it is kind of a bummer to read, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also don't think that this is helpful to read in a sort of single sitting, no. right? Like you and I sat down and read it cover to cover. Yeah, it doesn't reward you for that. <laughs> no. <laughs> does not benefit from that at all. No. If there was one other thing that I would highlight as a positive before maybe we can switch over to the film, which at least we'll get more enjoyment out of. Yeah. I admired and appreciated the emphasis on parents needing to remain open and communicative with Mm -hmm. their teenagers. You know, as cringe as a lot of the scripted pieces were, and as limited and narrow as the focus is... I think one of the things that I really appreciated is just saying, like, you've got to get over yourself. If it makes you uncomfortable, if you think you're going to be the harpy or the person that they hate, I think that's where the teenager's passages where it said, you know, I'm going to hate you, but also I will respect you for this. Or I am actually listening or I do want you to actually care, even if I'm going to roll my eyes and scoff and storm off and that kind of thing. I think sometimes parents need to hear it's okay to be mean or bad as long Mm -hmm. as you're also keeping those lines of communication open because i think a lot of parents just say oh i don't know how to talk to them anymore they're a different generation and they just shut down yeah i agree with that i think that in general the one strength of the book is that it gives parents a reminder that like your role is not to be the best friend and i think that particularly in the kind of culture we live in. I actually think that's a really important reminder. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I don't know, Joe. I don't know how much of parenting TikTok you spend your time in, but... Not so much, no. No, I was just gonna say, last month, there was this trend on TikTok where you crack an egg on your toddler's head and I'm film their sorry, reaction. What? I wish I was joking. I genuinely wish I was joking. And it's this whole thing of, like, kids just getting used for content now. If there's anything mm-hmm. I wish she had dealt with more in the social media stuff, it's that. Like, right. your kid is not your content cash cow. Um, but <laughs> Keep it to the pets, like the rest of us. Exactly. So there was this trend where, yeah, you would smash an egg on your toddler's head and film their reaction. No. And no. it was like... It was it was so sick to scroll through because you would just see like, oh, this is like breaking trust with your child 101. And mm-hmm. I do think we live in a culture where we need a reminder sometimes of what the role of the parent is. It's a mm. newsflash. It's not that. No. <laughs> and it's also not like being bros. Um, and so I did, I did really appreciate the reassertion of like the role of the parent as the guide and the authority and the like the person the buck stops with. Mm-hmm. It would have been nice if dads were in any way held to account in the book. Like, that would have been kind of cool. Uh, whatever. <laughs> They're just there. They're there occasionally. Yeah. yeah. And and definitely no single parents and definitely oh, no. no queer parents. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. Imagine. <laughs> oh, my God. Imagine picking up this book if you are a two-dad family. There's like just like, who is this for? <laughs> Well, that would fall into what a large portion of folks believe, which is, of course, that if you are in a same-sex relationship, one of you is a man and one of you is a woman. Oh, God. Oh, God. I actually don't want to read Rosalind Wiseman's perspective on that. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about the movie. Yay! We have a new student with us. She just moved here from Africa. Welcome. I'm from Michigan. Great. I'm 16. Until today, I was homeschooled. And then it was goodbye, Africa. And hello, high school. Hi, I'm Katie. I'm Janice. This is Damien. Watch out! New meat coming through! This map shows the school's central nervous system, the cafeteria. You got your cool Asians, burnouts, jocks, the greatest people you will ever meet, and the worst. So you've never been to a real school before? Shut up. Shut up! I didn't say anything. Plastics. Who are the plastics? 
13 royalty. That's Karen Smith. She is one of the dumbest girls you will ever meet. I'm kind of psychic. Really? It's like I have ESPN or something. Gretchen Wieners. She has two Fendi purses and a silver Lexus. And evil takes a human form in Regina George. She knows everything about everyone. That's why her hair is so big. It's full of secrets. We want to invite you to have lunch with us. Regina seems sweet. Get in, loser. We're going shopping. Your house is really nice. I know, right? Being with the plastics was like leaving the actual world. And entering girl world. Have you seen any guys that you think are cute yet? There's this guy in my calculus class. His name's Aaron Samuel. <gasps> no, no. That's Regina's ex-boyfriend. Ex-boyfriends are off limits. I mean, that's just like the rules of feminism. Gretchen <laughs> told me that you like Aaron Samuels. I could talk to him for you if you want. Really? You would do that? You're so hot. <gasps> Why would she do that? She's a life ruiner. I knew how this would be settled in the animal world. <laughs> But this was girl world. All the fighting had to be sneaky. I want to lose three pounds. They're these nutrition bars my mom uses to lose weight. It won't close. It's a five. You could try Sears. Why are you eating a Caltein bar? What? They make you gain weight like crazy. Okay, so Queen Bees and Wannabes becomes Mean Girls in 2004. This is, of course, written by Tina Fey, and it is directed by returning director Mark Waters. And Brenna, you would not know him because he directed Vampire Academy, which you were not on. So Jenny Nelf and I have already discussed his work. Nice. I don't I don't regret missing that one. Go on. Yeah, you're fine. It's an amusing. It was better than the TV show, folks. You can go back and listen to our take on both of those. Don't worry, you may get another kick at the can because we could still cover his adaptation of the Spiderwick Chronicles in the future. Uh, I I don't actually know anything about that one, (laughs) except for that it also is apparently a TV show that uh, Max wants to try and cancel, even though it hasn't premiered yet. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So the film has a budget of $17 million, and it grossed 130 And in the process, this helped to solidify star Lindsay Lohan's drawing power among teenage girls. Of course, she had already been in Mark Waters' earlier adaptation and requel, Freaky Friday. Right. I love this movie, and I love this cast. Joe, tell us more. <laughs> Okay, so as I mentioned, Lindsay Lohan, we've got Canadian Rachel McAdams as Regina George. We've got Lacey Chabert as Gretchen Wieners, Amanda Seyfried as Karen Smith. And then we move into the wannabe side of the feature. Lizzie Kaplan as Janice Ian, Daniel Franzese as Damien, Jonathan Bennett as Aaron Samuels. Quick note of confirmation, Daniel Franzese, I believe, was out to people but not publicly and of course jonathan bennett would come out as queer later and now they're both very like loud and proud and it's lovely Mm. we've also got rajiv surendra as kevin that's the head of the mathletes and then our adult cast tina fey appears as miss sharon norbury tim meadows as principal duval amy poehler as june that would be uh, regina george's mother and then caddy's parents is anna gastar and neil flynn Okay, these might be my favorite parents. I know I said that when we, what was the last <laughs> Lindsay Lohan movie we watched where Stanley Tucci was her um, dad? Oh, that's Emma Stone, sweetie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's just another redheaded actress. <laughs> They're the same. I know I thought Stanley Tucci in that movie was my favorite dad, but Neil Flynn mm-hmm. in this movie, he's he's a very good dad. I really enjoyed him. I liked the parents, but I guess the most interesting thing, and thinking about this as an adaptation where most people... I feel didn't know this, at least not in 2004 when the film came out. I didn't realize how uninterested the film was in the parenting side of this, which is ironic, right? Like, it's a parenting book, and then we completely change the focalization, and this becomes a more traditional, straightforward YA film. Well, and it's interesting, too, because, you know... Tina Fey reads the book as a parenting book and then writes this entire script that Mm -hmm. basically uses the archetypes and uses that one scene where it's like, raise your hand if you've ever talked bad about a girl behind her back, which is a (laughs) word for word scene from the book. Um, But otherwise, I mean, it's sort of invented out of whole cloth, really. I mean, as an adaptation, it's sort of. Yeah. 
yeah, there's a narrative framing that Tina Fey created based on the archetypes and the idea of women as backstabbers. But I like the fact that we sort of literalize the idea by having Caddy and her family as recent transplants from Africa. So as much as I don't think visually it works to have the teenagers act like animals in the one scene at the watering hole at the mall. No, it's it's not great. Uncomfortably cringe. Yeah. Overall, I like this idea of, oh, well, let's do a fish out of water with a new girl in high school who doesn't know the rules. And of course, her parents also don't know the rules, which is how she ends up falling into the mean girl clique. And then, you know, we spin it out from there. Yeah, it's interesting. It's very 2004 that she's just there from Africa. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't get a country. And it's also worth noting that in one scene, she's actually speaking Afrikaners, so it's South Africa, but we're never told that. And it's just very interesting because I don't think in 2023 you would have a character from just Africa anymore. I think we've really Mm -hmm. moved past that, thankfully. I will say one of the interesting things, just in some of its very 2004-ness, we should note the R word is getting dropped pretty liberally, but as we've as we've referenced numerous times, this was a thing that we did a lot of we in the early 2000s. We did a lot of it in the early 2000s. We were very comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not an issue at all. It was just kind of a like, oh, that's a slang term in a way, right? How easily yeah. it's getting dropped. Totally. And then I like that we do some white people racism. Like, Miss Norbury is a very amusing character, particularly in relationship to the teenagers. You know, she's a little bit pathetic. She's going through this divorce. Our introduction to her is her getting her top caught over the top (laughs) of her head. Yeah. So, you know, she's an amusing figure in that way. And Tina Fey wrote her character herself. So clearly she's very comfortable with the physical comedy of it. But I love that her introduction to Katie is basically mistaking a black girl for being the girl from Africa, which is a joke we also pin on the stupidest girl in the movie. Yes, exactly. And so I do think that the film wants to engage a little bit more with those questions. But it's it's just the 2004 of it all. It can't quite make Mm -hmm. it there. Yeah, we should also note that this movie is still exceedingly white. So uh, Lizzie Kaplan is Jewish. She's definitely not Lebanese. Mm hmm. Uh, And pretty much everybody else except for Kevin is white in this film. Yeah, and it's interesting because much like the book doesn't know how to engage on the question of race, you know, there really Mm -hmm. is a sense that like the film is just gonna just gonna sidestep the whole conversation. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we do have a little bit of queer representation in the Damien character, but he's still fairly stereotypical. And if anything, there is still that gay panic about female queerness because Janice, her whole arc is about how Regina George considers her queer and therefore she can't be trusted and they become lifelong enemies. It's really interesting, too, if you think about the arc of the film compared to the book, because the whole notion in the film is that... You know, you can take down the mean girl clique, yes, by eventually sort of telling the truth. Like, that's part Mm -hmm. of the arc. Right. But you also, like, there has to be an awful lot of cruelty on both sides before you get to the sort of Mm -hmm. airing of grievances that allows for the the clique to be unpacked. Yes. It's like mutually assured destruction. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it's interesting because there is the sense that, like, there's a new clique rising at the end of the film and Mm -hmm. Lindsay lohan's character is like and i'm going to destroy it (laughs) it's like oh okay okay (laughs) yeah in in a way it's like okay well we can't condone the clicks because we we've done so much work to move beyond them but also now we have a new forced regiment that we will dramatically impose on new incoming students and that is something that rosalind wiseman talks a little bit about right where Mm -hmm. how Older girls will put younger girls into their place for fear of losing their own power. So it is an interesting subversion of that, even though the film doesn't have the time or the energy to unpack. Yeah, yeah. And I think in general, obviously, the film's major focus is Katie and her fish out of water story and the ways in which she is subverted by and then subverts the popular girls. Like, obviously, that's the central interest. But I think 
you know, we, we can't help but watch it with 2023 eyes where we really mm-hmm. want, we just want more from it because we like it so much. Like, this, that's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the kind of thing where it was great in 2004 and it felt so very of the moment. Like it was very, it had its finger on the pulse. Let's put mm-hmm, it that way. Like mm-hmm. such a great contemporary young adult film. And if you think about it, dramatically populated with women almost everyone in the cast is female identifying with you know token damien and then also token arm candy in aaron Mm -hmm. samuels so in some ways that's refreshing because so much of it was less about katie's love story with aaron samuels like he's there but he's very much a side piece it's about her relationship with regina and coming to an understanding about how important her friendship with janice is and i I like that emphasis on women. Yeah, I agree completely. You know, especially in a teen girl marketplace, those movies often there's like a girl who you get to idealize. Whereas Mm -hmm. here, like, yes, obviously Katie is the every woman, but like, who doesn't love Lizzie Kaplan's character in this movie? And, you know, I think we all have parts of the plastics who we relate to. So there's Mm -hmm. sort of more options. In fact, there's kind of more options of girlhood in the film than there is Mm -hmm. in the actual book in many ways. Yeah. Even though you can graft each of the plastics onto one of these, Mm -hmm. like, you know, Gretchen is very clearly, well, she's a couple. I would argue that she's the sidekick, but then she's also the banker. Yeah, I agree completely. But um, I don't know. Why don't we talk about some of the things that you find enjoyable about this film? Like, does it still hold up for you? It does. It still makes me laugh. I still really like, you know, I I mean, I love a good revenge montage. I Mm -hmm. love how hard it is for them to get one up on the plastics. You know, like you think they think it's going to be easy to overthrow Mm -hmm. the popular girls. And of course, it's not. And the sort of complexities of the social hierarchy, I really like. I think Mm -hmm. this is a great performance from Lindsay Lohan. She's super charismatic. So good. She's so likable. She's so magnetic. You are on her side, even when she's being horrible. Um, mm-hmm. And we've talked before about how hard that is to do. Like, I'm not I'm not surprised this movie is as successful as it was. Like, it's really, really funny. I think the performances mm-hmm. are all spectacular. There's nobody who I would replace in this cast. Right. It's so zippy, right? Yes. Like, I think that's what it is. Like, the the hit-to-miss ratio for the jokes is, like, the hits are high. And I would argue there's very few misses in terms of jokes. Like, there's a moment where we get the quintessential walking down the high school hallway (laughs) in slow motion. And uh, Katie falls into a garbage can. And I think it's, it's silly but so utterly ridiculous because she's like fully kicking her legs in the (laughs) air. Like it's almost cartoonish. And yet I still find it amusing. Like I giggle at the stupidity of it. You know, a big strength of Tina Fey as a writer is her ability to lean into the absurd without it breaking from the realism of the situation. And Mm -hmm. I think we see that really. That's a perfect example of a scene where we see that like, it is absurd that everybody just leaves her there to kick her legs for a second. And yet mm-hmm. that's what makes it so, so freaking funny. <laughs> right. Yeah. And even like as we move into the climax where we apparently just eschew sending any of these girls home or contacting parents, we just call an emergency meeting where all of the junior girls have to go into the gymnasium. And then we just on the spot do trust falls and like, (laughs) you know, candid conversations like this is the closest we kind of get to a seal level intervention, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the kind of unpacking of scripts that Rosalind provides in her book. But I think it's so fascinating that Tina Fey wisely understands, oh, no, I'm not going to have parents come in and do this kind of stuff because that would not work. We need a figure Mm -hmm. like Miss Norbury where she is almost a parental stand-in, but she's someone that is removed enough that we're not going to look at it and say, oh, that that just doesn't make sense. Like, parents wouldn't do that. But she's also in the drama, right? I think that's a really important part of her character is the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, she's in the burn She's book. a pusher. Like, she pushes she... people. <laughs> and yeah, she's like, sorry, did you say that I deal- it was dealing drugs? You know, like she, because she's part of the world of 
what Wiseman would call girl world, um, mm-hmm. she's implicated in it. And so her engagement feels much more honest and truthful and way less cringy than any of the scripts of the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, she's a fun, enjoyable character. Like, the extremely tertiary subplot of her potentially getting together with the principal it's enough that it feels like she's a character who isn't just an adult at the school. Like she's a person with a real social life who does things when she's not teaching. And yet she's exactly what you need her to be when she's the head of the mathletes and she's punishing Katie by going to nationals or whatever. Yes, exactly. I agree. I, I just, I mean, God, I can watch Tina Fey do pretty much anything. Hmm. Yeah, it it's still fun. You know, some of the language has not aged mm. particularly well. Mm. Uh, it's still a very, like, white text. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think the jokes still land. As you said, everyone is just so darn charismatic. It's hard not to get invested and just get swept away in the plotting and the the revenge tactics. And I think Mark Waters has a really good sense of style. Like, I love the three-way telephone attack sequence and how we, like... <laughs> play out some of those jokes like i i still to this day will yell at brian boo you whore when he doesn't want to do something i want him to do i'm big with i used to stop trying to make fetch happen a lot Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's worth noting, like, the cultural significance of this movie. By the way, if you haven't read the Wikipedia page for Mean Girls listeners, you should go and check it out because someone has taken the time to list every significant cultural reference to this film in the last Ooh, 20 years, <laughs> including okay. when President Obama posted a picture of Bo holding a tennis ball, captioned, Bo, stop trying to make fetch happen. Or when <laughs> the Irish prime minister was asked about the limit to whether or not we can achieve, you know, limiting COVID. Right. He said, and the limit does not The limit exist. does not exist. So, like... <laughs> It's just wild if you actually go through and see how many people have drawn on the cultural cachet of this film to look and appear cool, I guess, really. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, right up to, you know, Joe, we're, we're releasing this on the cusp of October 3rd, Mean Girls Day. Of course. Right? Yes. That's why we programmed it. We've actually missed it for a couple of years or else we likely would have covered this earlier. <laughs> exactly. Well, usually we do our scary content in October. So it's a kind of a weird moment for us. But, you know, this people wear pink on Wednesdays still, like the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Yeah. And of course, the text has persevered, I think, in ways that Rosalind Wiseman's book has not kept up with mm-hmm. the culture. Like we we have a Mean Girls musical, which is now actually being turned into a new film musical. So this is a text that's about to eat itself. Yes. And in fact, the film version of the musical will have Tina Fey reprising her role, which yay. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to see friend of the show, Eluli Cravalho, who will be playing Janice. Oh, right. Right, which will be amazing. Um, but Tim Meadows is coming back too. Like, obviously, we're going to see the film, Joe. Obviously. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what stage it's at. I don't think they had started shooting it before the strike. So I don't know. Maybe if you're listening to this in like a year's time, you'll look back and say, what strike? Oh, that's been over for ages and the movie's about to come out or already has. Yeah. It's not feeling like that right now. No, it is not. <laughs> There's also a made for TV sequel. Did you ever watch that, Joe? I did not because it looked like hot garbage. Yeah, same, 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 same. So let us know, listeners, if you did listen to it. We'd like to know. <laughs> and there was a plan for a sequel called Mean Moms, which I don't believe ever made it to... Uh, to... Oh. Yeah. I could totally see that. Oh, totally. Especially, you know, you you fluff out that adult cast even more because it it's, it's a fantastic adult cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just it's not our movie at the end of the day. So you're getting yeah. taste choicey beats. Like I love Amy Poehler's performance in this movie so much. But the film really knows that, right? Like we talk all the time on this show about films that don't know when to focus on the kids and when to focus mm-hmm. on the adults. This yes. film nails the balance perfectly. The adults mm-hmm. are there as punchlines to the central jokes. Yes. They are not there to carry their own narratives and it's Mm-mm. perfect. Yeah. Yeah, like, can you imagine as much as we might like more scenes with these characters? It's just like, yeah, you don't need those because no. everything that you need, the movie's already giving you. 
In one way, it does harken back to Wiseman's point, which is that girl world is a sphere unto itself that adults mm-hmm. can't penetrate. And that really does come across in the film. It's true. Yeah, I, I will say maybe one final comment on the book. I liked her use of the metaphor of clicks being like a life raft that's gotten mm. sort of loosened from a cruise ship. And that's part of the reason why girls can't run the risk of going against their friends because really it's just them and they're sort of out there on their own i don't think it entirely holds up because it suggests that like you're not interacting with anyone else (laughs) but that that sense of if i lose this friendship all will be lost i do desperately remember that even in my sort of less clicky high school experience Oh, you know, I dropped kiddo off at school yesterday for his first day of school. And Mm -hmm. like they don't even have classes assigned to them yet on the first day here. They sort of pool in the field and eventually a teacher takes them. It's a very odd system. Okay. And he's six and he was like really – he was totally at sea. You could tell he was panicked. You could tell he was on the verge of tears. And then he Mm. saw his three pals on the tire swing and he beelined for them. And as soon as they were all together again, everything was fine. Everything was good. I do remember that feeling. I just wish Wiseman wasn't so confident that these are gendered experiences exclusively. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to do some bingo? I was going to see if I could squeeze in a Caltine joke, and I was like, this is not the place, so. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Let's play Why a Bingo. Bingo! Not a good bingo. All right, so folks, as promised slash threatened, we have revamped the bingo card for book six, uh, kept most of it, moved a couple things around, and added back in one or two items. So, Brenna, why don't you kick us off? I'm going to start with CanCon, both talent and filmed. We have all kinds of CanCon here, and a female screenwriter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about hollow friendships because obviously the plastics pre-Katie are very much a hollow, hollow social organization. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And we do have a queer secondary character, a much underused mm-hmm. queer secondary character. Uh, I mean, yes, but also I think uh, the fact that Damien is such a lovable friend, like he's stereotypical, but I I feel similar to him as I do about the parents where he has a designated role and he does it super well in this narrative. And I am going to give good friendships to him and Janice. Yes, agreed. Uh, We obviously have lots of coincidental classes going on, whether it's the health class or the math class, or they're all Mm -hmm. useful, very super useful to the plot always. Indeed, yeah. Stunt casting for all of the adults. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And a little bit of aged up. I was looking at Lizzie Kaplan, realizing that four years prior to this, she was already graduating high school in Freaks and Geeks. So they really play in with age with her character in particular. (laughs) for sure for sure yeah is it mean of us to give an inauthentic voice to rosalind wiseman oh uh, no give her three of them (laughs) oh boy i feel like i don't know maybe these are the most overused cards of all but montage (laughs) and musicality always seem to come into play in well executed ya movies and i would say this one is no different oh this soundtrack is so good job and listening to it at work all day Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So good. I mean, the the all-timer for me is still Josie and the Pussycats, but that is a literal musical-based YA <laughs> film, so this is a good one. It's a good one. Would we say that Caddy is a chosen one? Because she seems to be the only yes. one who can come in and destroy the social hierarchy. Well, and it really is in many ways a traditional hero's journey, right? To emerge from the outside, to break down the barriers, to create a new piece. <laughs> like, she mm-hmm. does all of that. Indeed, yeah. I have to give Gretchen Wiener's house the house porn. <laughs> Wait, is it Gretchen's or is it Regina's? Oh, I thought it was Gretchen's house because they talk about her dad inventing the Pop-Tart. But now that you say it out loud, I'm not sure. It could be Regina's. Anyway, whoever's house it is, it's beautiful. <laughs> I do think it's Regina's because it's her younger sister who is modeling the bad <gasps> quote-unquote right. behavior on the TV. Right, 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 right. <laughs> oh, sexual awakening because Katie is sort of discovering crushes for the first time since she was five sure yes um anything else no i mean I that's so. nearly all of them oh we so. have a prom we have a prom 
Don't we? You have a prom. Yes, yes. at the very okay. end. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So that is two lines. Woohoo! Good job, Mean Girls. I knew you could do it. There we go. Boo, Queen Bees and Wannabees, you gave us nothing. <laughs> That's not true. It gave us an inauthentic voice square. <laughs> we have three of them. <laughs> All right, Brenna, where are we headed next? Joe. Mm-hmm. We are heading to Spooky Month. It's yes. Spooky Month, Joe. So the next few titles are going to be Halloween-y. We're looking at House with a Clock in Its Walls and mm-hmm. the recent film adaptation. We're looking at Love and Monsters. And we're oh, going to look yeah. at scary stories to tell in the dark. So go get your best flashlight, get your coziest blankie, and join mm-hmm. us for some spooky stories. Yeah, these are all pretty easygoing titles, I would say. I think I saved the the hardest one for last, but it's screen level accessible. So most everything else is kind of middle gradey, spooky nonsense. So I think we'll have fun with this. It's my best level, Joe. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So if you want to get hold of us and tell us your thoughts on Mean Girls, especially if you watched Mean Girls 2, we would actually very much appreciate a trip report on that. So please get in touch. (laughs) You can... (laughs) <laughs> we would. We want to know. You can find us on social medias. We're HKHSPod or on the hashtag HKHSPod. If you want to send us something longer, email is best. That's what gets you straight into our mailbag, HKHSPod at gmail.com. Joe, mm-hmm. if they want to find you, how do they do that? I can be reached at B Stole My Remote, and that's the letter B. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray. That's Gray with an A. And uh, yeah, come find us and talk. We like to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Joe, I'm glad we finally got to Mean Girls. It's sort of wild that it's taken us this long. I think, in many ways, we were avoiding reading the parenting book. Well, yeah, it, it was an unusual pick. And, folks, if you have not looked at this, the book is 400 pages. So yeah. we we hope you appreciate how much we railed on her because it it was a lot of book to read. <laughs> it was a lot of book to read. And full credit to Joe for actually wading all the way through it. I did skip pretty much every script after a certain point. I just couldn't fair. handle it. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so until next time, I will see you on the page. And I will see you on the screen. It's an amusing. It was better than the TV show, folks. You can go back and listen to our take on both of those. Um, don't worry, you may. Ne- don't worry, you may get another kit. <laughs> All right, Brenna, where are we headed next? Great question. Let me just open that tab in my browser here. Hang on one second. <laughs>